Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Hello Blenders, it's your host Sean O'Connell here with a quick introduction for this very special bonus episode of Real Blend. Now in last week's episode, you guys know that we played a spoiler-free portion of our interview with the Russo brothers and now we are a couple of weekends past Endgame's release and we feel that we can share the full and spoiler-filled discussion with you guys uh, so you can dive right in and listen to our conversation with them. And we're going to go right into the interview so we're including the full interview here. So if you already heard part one last week, and I hope you guys were able to listen to that, feel free to skip to the first 10 minutes. But, you know, I think you should listen to the whole thing because it's truly incredible to hear them talking about their MCU journey and the work that they did on Infinity War and Endgame. But still, I understand what you're saying. You guys waited for the spoilers and you want to jump right to those. So here's our full interview with the Russo brothers. I still can't believe that I could say that and it's a real thing that happened, but it's Joe and Anthony Russo on the Real Blend podcast. Make sure that you stick around afterwards because once we wrap up the interview, uh, we're going to go into our own deep spoiler reactions. And as you guys know, Jake liked the movie, um, you know, marginally less than Kevin and I did. So we will make sure to fight him on every point that he brings up. So again, this is a bonus episode uh, for episode 67. It's not quite episode 68. That will come later this week. Uh, so stay tuned and enjoy. And of course, afterwards too, stay tuned to the end of this bonus track because I'm going to tell you guys what next week's blend game is going to be and you're not going to want to miss out on that so you can play along on social media. So without further ado, spoiler talk for Avengers Endgame and all things Marvel with Joe and Anthony Russo. All right, well, first of all, uh, congratulations to both of you. Um, thank you for joining the Real Blend podcast. Thank uh, I'm you. Kevin, this is obviously Sean, and this is an honor to have you both on. Um, when I sat down with you guys at the junket, uh, there was a moment in the interview where I asked about a specific scene where Cap and Tony say, do you trust me? I do. Mm-hmm. You made a joke that it wasn't in the movie. <laughs> I, I was just curious, without spoiling the context of it, it is in the film, but can you talk but about- But not in that construction. Right. <laughs> that handshake <laughs> is actually stolen from the- an earlier scene in the movie. Really? Yes, they don't they don't shake hands. Right, in, in the scene sequence, they don't. Right. Right. So that's what I was getting at is that that's how we tend to manipulate footage to create a, a moment uh, um, and a trailer that isn't necessarily a moment from a movie. So people are watching that trailer and again, I'm saying that's not in the movie contextually the way that it's done because that's not the repair moment. The repair moment actually happens in the movie. Uh, 45 minutes before that. Right. And so that handshake... We're going to let you get to your point about this. No, I I just wanted... (laughs) I just wanted to know, like, like, you know, we were in that moment, so now your profile picture on Instagram, I believe, is your reaction to that moment. Who created that? Was that you? No, that Uh, was not me. No, I put it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I wanted to know. That's all I wanted to know. He became a meme. I was like, all right, we're going to... We always try to embrace the, the, you know, memes and be very... uh, uh, deprecating and referential about uh, to, to fans. Right. Going into the opening weekend, let's just talk about what your expectations potentially could have been, and then where how they might have been exceeded. What, what were you guys hoping happened, and then what actually happened over opening weekend? I mean, look, like when you when you're charged with like writing the final chapter of the book, you know, and, and executing it. You know, we our hope was that 
it, with any favorite story, you always want the end to be the, the best part of the story, you know? So that was like really what we were hoping to do. You know, I don't know, you know, you know, even if we got anywhere close to that, you know, that, that was our aspiration. And it seems like at least for some people on some levels that we delivered an ending that yeah, seems satisfying. It's always about the narrative, too, of these movies in the marketplace. How did it do? Did it break a record? Did it beat the last sure. one? That stuff is really critical to the life of a movie. And of course, we're hoping that it, we were hoping that it was going to break the international record. Just because that's a story, right? So the uh, uh, international box, single weekend box office. And then you're hoping and praying that it beats the domestic, which was set by Infinity War last year. Otherwise, frankly, to some people, it looks like a failure. You know, So yeah. you have to, like, it's crazy that, it ha- that a movie like this has this kind of demands on it. But we saw international numbers coming in on Tuesday and Wednesday of opening week because it was coming from Australia and the Asian markets, from China and Phil- um, uh, Philippines and the numbers were huge so especially the China numbers they were astronomical so we started to get a good sense that oh maybe we can catch fire here and something much bigger can happen but, but I gotta be honest with you like it's almost I'm almost disappointed that the movie did so well because it's like <laughs> the box office story has literally dominated the conversation sure. and it's sort of not the most interesting part of the story right yeah for me we obviously love the movie and one of the things I find interesting is again this is the non-spoiler part of our conversation is the spoiler window and there's been a lot of people I saw a great tweet today from Jacob Tremblay talking about the idea Idea that anybody who spoils films for somebody is a, is a, it's a form of bully. Like you're basically yeah. taking away someone's happiness by spoiling it for them, and that person is getting you know something ruined for them. As directors of somebody uh, these films, what is the proper spoiler window? I mean, in the sense of how do you want people to experience it? Like, can you talk about it in two weeks? Like, where where do you feel? I think you have is? to you, you have to be fair about it because we are as you know, exceedingly anti-spoiler, and I feel it for the same reason. It's bullying. It could even be sociopathic yeah. to go online or, or walk out of a theater like some guy did and shout out the end of a movie while a bunch of people are standing in line waiting to go see it. And they've got 10 years of their life and their time and their emotions invested in it. It's a, it's a despicable thing to do. Um, but I think you have to be fair. Two weekends feels like enough time um, for everyone to get to see it and then people should be because you also want people to be able to talk about it and so at a certain point I think uh, after the second weekend it's it's okay to start now that um, both parts are out uh, talk to us about how much of Endgame did you film or was ready at the time when Infinity War came out and discussing where they were going to break and, and how they were going to flow into each other now that we can sort of think about them as, as two parts and one large part. Yeah. We had shot, I would say, probably about 85% of Endgame by the time that Infinity War came out. Wow. We, the, intent, the original intention was to shoot 100% of it. But basically what happened was, so we shot Infinity War first and then we started shooting Endgame while we're editing Infinity War. And we finally got to the point where we really needed to turn all our attention to Infinity War in order to get the movie fi- finished properly in the post-production process. So we stopped shooting earlier than we had anticipated. We're, on we're exhausted because they started to overlap with each other. Sure. Yeah, right. And uh, and trying to get, I mean, tr- just trying to make one of these movies is historic. I mean, they're, you know, these are the most expensive movies ever made, right. and we're shooting them at the same time, and we had to get one out while we we're still shooting the other one. It started to get crazy. So we we. Um, we decided that we were going to hold 
the third act of uh, which was the hardest part of the movie of Endgame until the fall. Because you were locked into the date too. It's not we, like we, you, yeah, exactly. you are. We're yeah. hurling toward a date. And frankly, so, yeah. I think that like when you look at these, I think that we we always were like, oh my god, never shoot back to back again. That was insane. But I don't think we would have had the same momentum oh, in between movies were they not a year apart. Right. A year is long enough to sustain a dialogue, mm-hmm. a, a collective dialogue. Two years, I think that it starts to dissipate and other things start to occupy people's focus. Yeah, and last non-spoiler question for you, um, focus, uh, focusing specifically on Infinity War, I was lucky enough to go to the press conference and uh, ask this question to Mr. Downey Jr., but not to you. I was curious from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, when you filmed the characters turning to dust in Infinity War specifically, um, how you achieve, I know that obviously there's CG, but how do you achieve that shot? Like, what do you tell the actors to do? Do they know what's going on with their character at that exact moment? And also, specifically, the Spider-Man moment, just kind of having that emotional moment with Tony and Spider-Man in Infinity War. Just how you achieve that from a filmmaking level. Yeah, that we, I, we went through a lot of experimentation with that, to be honest with you, because it's a difficult thing to play, and it could, if you don't handle it properly, it could end up... Uh, unintentionally being a little silly, you know yeah. what I mean. So you have to. So we did talk. We did rehearse with the actors quite a bit on set about how they would perform in that moment. We experimented with a few things. And by the way, that experimentation also continued into our visual effects process. We hmm. did try many different versions of what it would look like on a visual effects level uh, as they as they disintegrated. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a fishing expedition. Um, but basically, we sort of wanted to, you know, there, there, we were trying to focus, like always, we always try to focus on the emotional experience of the actor, you know, in the, in the moment. So, and that's sort of what, what were they feeling at that moment where they felt something happening to them like that, that they couldn't control, they couldn't stop, especially those characters who it was happening to after they had seen another character already dissipate. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah. you know, obviously pulling at your heartstrings. Cap seeing Bucky, Okoye seeing Black Panther, Tony seeing Peter. You know, these are all very emotionally charged relationships. And, um, and uh, you know, the Peter scene, I think, we had done a take or two. We knew we wanted to save it for the last one. And we'd done a take or two where it plays quick as all the other ones. We thought, hmm. this has to ha- be climactic. You know, he's got spider sense so he could feel it coming before it actually gets him. Mm. Uh, and uh, and so and, and we thought it wouldn't be interesting too if like your the your your own emotional or spiritual core could could hold it off for a second or two longer than someone else right. you know because this is a magical event it's not you know it's nothing uh, that's based on uh, anything <laughs> right. in the physical universe so uh, and then you know we just started talking to Tom and Downey Downey's always extremely helpful in blocking. And we started saying this isn't, it's not having the emotional impact it needs to have. Tom, what if, you know, you're a kid, this is scaring the shit out of you. What if this is mm-hmm. something that you, you, you don't want to have happen? You can't, you know, you're, you're scared. And what would, you know, you don't want to go. So what would happen? And then he started improvising, I don't want to go. And Downey, I think it, it helps with the blocking of him falling into Robert and Robert laying him down on the ground. Ooh, and yeah. then... So it was all, uh, it was, and frankly, that, it took about five minutes to, mm. or ten minutes just to, the next take we went out and they nailed it and that was it. Okay. And, um, everybody was crying on set. So we're going to jump into spoilers yeah. now. This yes. is uh, the end of the non-spoiler discussion. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire stuff because we don't mm-hmm. have a ton of time. We're getting ready to go live. Um, one, my first question, then we'll go to Sean, is the sequences during the time heist. 
how much of that was actually reshot or how much of it was real footage from the original MCU films? I would say it was 95% very reshot. Wow. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Even like like Star-Lord's like walk, did you do that again and everything? Pieces, We did half parts of it, of it again, yeah. What about yeah. like... Maybe, actually, it's probably 80-20 now that I think. Okay. Okay. Less than half of wow. it on that one, yeah. What about like the um, Avengers but, 1 stuff in New York? Was it, that was all reshot. Okay, so no, that, that the, those pieces were original, but what we did was created a new shot where we connected them in an overhead <laughs> where the camera pans from you know the Avengers circling up over to our guys right. arriving oh, and then of course that's all new footage of the Hulk coming in and smashing a Chitari with the car I mean we uh, wanted to ride, ride the balance you know we, we you know we all have like very powerful wow. emotional triggers when we see those shots so we wanted to have that moment those those moments but we needed to bed them into the language yeah, where Loki asked yeah. for his drink that's it, it completely reshot the whole wow. thing. Shot. So yeah. We brought cool. Hiddleston back. We had all the actors in makeup so they look like they did uh, eight right. years ago. And yeah. All right, I'm going to go geeky. Um, what are the rules when you return the Soul Stone? And does Cap encounter Red Skull? Uh, he would have to encounter yeah. Red Skull. And I nobody think knows what the rules are when you return the Soul nobody Stone. Nobody knows. You'd have to. But I, if I, knowing Red Skull, he probably has a no money back <laughs> policy. <laughs> so. Yeah. When Cap, so with the ending of Cap, uh, and obviously him sitting there in his old age, does that affect anything that happened with Captain America in this current timeline we live in? No, because this is a multiverse timeline, okay. right? So the Hulk says it in the movie, right? Is that if you you know you're uh, if you're in the present and, and you go to the past, that that pre- that that former present becomes your past. It always exists, oh, right? right. Like, That's right. And now you are in the now you're in the past, and that becomes your new present. Right. And any choices you make would define a new future. This is a multiverse timeline. Like so every you know, it's sort of this it's quantum physics, this notion that like there are a million timelines that exist. Wow. Based on Kevin, had you not just said wow there, we would have been in a different timeline. Sorry, I'm right. geeking out. That's pretty cool. I can't believe you reshot some of stuff. Go ahead, Sean, sorry. Uh, what was Hemsworth's reaction to the fact that he'd be Lebowski Thor? <laughs> For the duration uh, of it, Hemsworth, he, he loved, loved it. it. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, <laughs> he was. He, I mean, he he was so ignited by the work that he had done with Taika in Ragnarok mm-hmm. that he was in definitely in, in a in a in a zone where he was really excited about being adventurous and 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 edgy with what what Thor could be and where he could go. So yeah, it was. I think the only downside for the whole experience for for Hemsworth with with that was. The fat suit was quite heavy. Okay, so he didn't yeah. like let himself go or stop working out or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we had to keep. You know, it was like we it, it, the proximity of shooting these things was pretty tight. Didn't, even didn't allow for time yeah. for him to do that. That's yeah. really funny. But Plus, it, we were yeah. doing reshoots on Infinity War while we were shooting exactly Endgame. Wow. So, yeah. and is he a guardian now? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> two-part question. A, he's an Asgardian. Asgardian. I love that line. Asgardians of the galaxy. All right, so two-part question. One, no ending credits, choice, and that sound we hear in the end, mm-hmm. is that from the Iron Man cave from that the first Iron Man? Yes. Um, what are, are, is that supposed to mean future that, that possibilities? Was just, no, no, that was just, just an a homage, callback. homage to the character. And then Ty. Um, that's a really interesting shot because a lot of people walked out and they go who was that kid I mean I mean, you know him from yep. Iron Man 3 Shane Black was there a was there a, a question in your mind that people might not remember who he was uh, 100% 
Uh, because every time we screened at people to ask us. <laughs> literally, literally. Every I didn't know. I don't know if there's been, ever way, been a single person who has recognized I mean, he's scene. three times he taller so than he was. Yeah, when so, so I think he's grown up so much that it's, you know, that, you know, it's a deep Easter egg. But I feel like, you know, that's what's compelling about the Marvel Universe. By the way, there's quite a few Easter eggs in the movie that people still haven't oh, well, identified. By the way, yeah. I have to, you guys will appreciate this. So, you know, in order to do that shot, we had, like, to amass that that cast, we rehearsed that shot like crazy. I mean, we set up the camera move. We are they all there? Ins- no, no, not while yeah, we're rehearsing. No, no. We spent no, no, but days. yes, they all are in. Oh, that yeah, they're shot. all in that shot. Yeah. That but is we, done. And that because is a they were all going to be in the shot, we spent days setting that shot up. <laughs> yeah. Days, okay. Right. So we had every we had the entire camera move figured rehearsed out very specifically. Uh, the time of day, we had everything perfect, right? So we get there on the day we finally put the actors in the shot for the first time. <laughs> All of them. Right. And we have this we have this moment on set where we he and I go into a, a panic attack over time <laughs> because because we're having the same. Like, reaction who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone gonna get it? But you know, at the, at the, that's amazing. At the end of the day, it was it's important to have Easter yeah. eggs, and that's what makes the Marvel Universe so special. Right, we got time for two more quick questions. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. All right. Um, was it always? Tony dies and Steve lives and when you make the decision as storytellers that we're going to eliminate big characters like Black Widow and Captain Well, we made that decision early on. Okay. Right? So three years ago we made that Who decision. Who okays it? Does Kevin have to well, okay Yeah, it? I mean, it's really, it's, what it is is a conversation with uh, Anth and I, Marcus McFeely, Trin Tran, who's the executive producer who works at Marvel, and Kevin. Yeah. Six of us sit in a room and we debate this stuff. Okay. And why, and uh, you know, in a certain sense, like you know, Tony Stark was always meant to die. You know, there was a, he's a very complicated character who had a haunted, you know, uh, existence. Right. And I think as a futurist, could always see that that um, that the end of humanity was on the horizon, mm-hmm. and he could not rest. He couldn't rest spiritually until until he defeated that uh, that that. Um, what was coming for humanity sure. Thanos uh, in a way that story that we've been telling with Cap since Winter Soldier is this one of loss and longing and uh, and you know what's interesting about him is he's been on a journey from his identity as Captain America to his identity as Steve Rogers mm-hmm. and fully embracing Steve Rogers by the end of his journey your final shot is, is so brilliant yeah. oh it's the shot we all dream of yeah. and when it happens you can't mm-hmm. you can't believe it's actually happening it's, yeah. it's fantastic Chris Marcus put it very simply the, one of the writers he said you know it's like Tony Stark has been on a journey of, of sort of learning how to uh, be, le- be more selfless mm. and Cap has been on a journey of, of trying to realize how to sort of actualize himself and his individuality. And that's basically yeah. their arcs. That's what led them both to their respective endings. Right. That yeah. arc was so. brilliant. And last thing for you, at the, at the, when I interviewed you uh, for the TV junket, I asked you about your first and last shot you shot in your career of the MCU so far. You said your first shot ever was Winter Good. Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the elevator scene. That's right. So final question for you, but since you couldn't answer it then, what is the final shot you wrapped you, you, on? You're going to freak. Yeah. Am I? I, I, I am Iron, Iron Man. Man. 
That's the last thing you shot? (laughs) Oh my god. Was that that planned? (laughs) Well, how is that possible? I know, you're right. How is that possible? And I'll tell you. And it's a reshoot. It's a reshoot because we, he originally, when he snapped, he didn't say, I am Iron Man. The idea came up (laughs) while we were in post production. I don't remember exactly where the idea came from. Jeff Ford. Our Our editor. editor. Yeah. So we're sitting in editorial and we're reworking that sequence. I'm going to start crying here. And and Thanos says, I am inevitable. like we need a response to that right what is the response because we knew we were going to do some pickups and, and our editor goes how about I am Iron Man and we're like that's it let's get the cameras out <laughs> we're like we have <laughs> we <laughs> must shoot that we have to shoot that oh, that okay. is that's incredible and when you told Downey what was his reaction he, uh, oh this is great it's too it's an interesting <laughs> story I had dinner with him uh, like two weeks before we were supposed to shoot it and he was like, I don't know. I don't want to go back and nope. get in that emotional state. It takes its heart. And, and crazily enough, Joel Silver, the producer, really? was at the dinner. Right. Who's, he's an old buddy of Robert's. Yeah. And Joel jumps in and he's like, Robert, what are you talking about? That's like the greatest line I've ever heard. you got to say this line. You have to do this. So thank God that Joel Silver was at uh, dinner because he helped uh, us talk Robert into... That's That's amazing. All right, we got to wrap up. I want to thank you to Lana, by the way, for shooting this interview for us. You are the greatest for holding that camera. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for (laughs) joining us. Thank you for nerding out. Obviously, thank you guys. Yeah, we wanted to ask you so many questions, but thank you guys so much. It was a real thrill to talk to you guys about it. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's crazy. Like the final shot, man. Oh my God. I'm glad you guys could talk about it. Oh, by the way, we, this just, we, and we did that shot. We did that shot at a studio in Los Angeles called Raleigh Studio. Yeah. Crazy. And the stage that we shot that shot on was adjacent to the stage where Robert Downey Jr. screen tested for Iron Man. Oh my Are god! Are you that crazy? Can we keep that on the audio? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, cool. Is that, is that I'm still so recording. I have not stopped recording. Yeah, it's okay. You approved. Oh, you guys have TV. You have TV. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know. That part of it, I can't believe it. When I asked you guys at the junket, I thought it was just going to be some like minor like pickup shot or something like that. I was like, oh, it's probably not something cool and crazy. That is the craziest story. Yeah. So I am, again, Sean O'Connell, managing director here at Cinema Blend. If you guys don't know that by now, we're almost on episode number 70. Um, I guess that's for the new people, right? That are finding us later. We do that for you guys. And so I also Start do this. back at the beginning. I will There's also a plot do, line you have to follow. Do this. That is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago, entertainment reporter especially. Uh, no, entertainment reporter exceptional. That's what I was trying Ooh, to say. Either one. Sounds good. And the other one is, uh, the other guy with us here is Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, Sean. And uh, Sean and I are still in my house. Uh, we, again, yes. we, are, we are doing this podcast just like the Rooster Brothers did, Endgame and Infinity War, essentially back-to-back, because now we're going to dive into why Jake is wrong about Endgame, and I'm very, very See, looking th- forward to... I'm learning to- that this is what happens whenever you disagree with both Kevin and Sean. They just shut you out, and they go hang out and do cool things without you. And, uh, and then I'm sitting here alone with my very cute dog, but that's... Thinking that we are DC. Um, the Avengers Endgame of podcasts i'm saying that kevin is definitely our tony stark jake you are without a doubt our chris evans 
And I, damn. I would without a doubt be Fat Thor from Endgame. <laughs> well, do I have uh, Do I have real Blend's ass? Yes, that is real Blend's ass. Oh man, that <laughs> that's awesome. That 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 full circle joke is hilarious. That the, the Ant Man to Cap. So we are in full. Sport, I think it was spoiler. Gabe that said it, but I agree with Gabe that that feels like an inside joke amongst the cast that they wrote yeah. into the script. Maybe. That, that's, Which I'm totally yeah. okay with, but it definitely feels like someone has said that before. Yeah, so, and, and so we are in spoiler territory for anybody listening to us right now. If you haven't seen Endgame, obviously, you know, but this is very spoilery. We're going to get into our review, and then we'll get to our... We, we unfortunately have to keep this short because Sean and I are actually on our way in a little bit here to see Endgame for a third time, and I've, I've had the honor of being asked to moderate the Q&A with the Rooster Brothers after the after the screen tonight, so we are on a bit of a time crunch. Um, so, Sean, Jake, let's let's battle. Yeah, we're going to dive right into spoilers. So as Kevin said, if you haven't yet seen the film at this point now, get out. Uh, Jake has been saying this whole time, he's been on the dissension side. Um, the, it's not, not trying to say in any way, shape, or form that he didn't, that he dislikes Endgame, but the, uh, even on a second viewing, there are specific things about the film that really bother him and uh, I'm, I've been dying, and he's not told either of us what they are. We have not talked in any sort of great detail about why uh, Jake is is uh, disappointed with how Endgame played out. So, Mr. Hamilton, I'm going to give you the floor and just let you uh, say, knowing that you've seen it a second time, tell us uh, yeah. your biggest issues with it. You know, I'm going to start broad and kind of get specific. I kind of thought that the, the tone of the movie for me was really strange in that there was a lot more, not just humor, but humor that didn't land for me. I thought Infinity War, I'm watching it, and I just felt this like just this constant state of dread for nearly three hours. I mean, the whole time I watched Infinity War, I kind of feel like we were just leading to something really bad. And I just thought it was so beautifully cut and edited, and I thought that Infinity War felt like it's 30 minutes long. I honestly felt like Endgame feels three hours long. And I really started realizing that I was having a few problems with the humor uh, the first time I saw Fat Thor. I hate, (laughs) I hate Fat Thor. I feel like, I mean, that's something, I mean, if you want to do that to him in Ragnarok, if you want to do that to him in like one of the other Avengers films, fine. But I don't, I mean, he felt like the butt of a joke. And I felt like now was not the time to make Thor the butt of a joke. And here's the deal. I love that he sort of slipped into this depression, that he blamed himself. And that yeah. he, was, he, he felt that they, I thought that that should have been, and, and I, 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 I agree with that aspect of the character. I mean, he took it hard. But to take that and make it like a cheese whiz joke, to make it like Lebowski, Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was a really bad mishandling. Uh, it, it, it turned what could have been a really serious look at how this character was handling something and turned it into a joke. Kevin, you got your hand raised. So oddly enough, it's funny. Um, so for clarification of anybody tuning in for the first time, Sean and I are over the moon about this film. We both gave it a five out of five. It's now Sean's favorite movie of all time, replacing Die Hard. I love this film. It's, my, it's in my top. Uh, obviously two three films of the year right now no question uh, and it's in my top five MCU films no question um, the overweight Thor element uh, the first time I saw it it was jarring but now when you go back and see it a second time which I, I know Jake has as well I understand why he got that way and I also feel like I understand it's a it's a bit and it's a joke 
But also, I don't think it would have been. I, I, mean, I know I've heard my wife. I mean, no, I, I also I get it. I get I get why they had him do it. I just think they handled it poorly. I mean, I thought it was funny. I, 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 to me, some of the best moments in the film are when they take Thor seriously in that uh, in that setting. Uh, the sequences. It, it that, didn't bother you that in the final epic battle, the battle we've been leading to for twenty two movies for eleven years, that Thor that, that Thor was fat. But no, honestly, bother you? It, you no, because no, no, he he he, he goes. It, they, they 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 put his beard in a, in a um in a what do you call it. Uh, what am I thinking of? Like braid. His beard. He doesn't. You can't even really tell that he's overweight. In the but final he is. Like he's got like the, he's got the armor on, but they're squeezing it in, man. He basically he's I basically wearing man spanks. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. Part of the reason why it doesn't bother me as much. Um, it, I, the first time I saw it, I, I, I'm with most people that I was like, this is a funny bit, but but I wish there was some way for him to like go through Agreed. a quick Asgardian workout and, yeah. and be Thor again. I, ke- I kept waiting on like a, like a, um, like a training montage or something, like a Rocky kind of training yeah. montage. Watching it the second time when he gets the reunion with his mom, I realized yes. just how much the, the failure di- yes. like just destroyed him, how it just destroyed 100%. him and that he... He was not ready to get himself back to shape. Like he needed another crack at Thanos. And because he beheaded Thanos, he wasn't going to get that shot. So he was just lost. He had no path. He has a line where he says, for the first time in my life, I don't have a path. Right. And part of the reason why it doesn't bother me in the big picture scale of it is that Infinity War is very much a Thor movie. Like he's on a huge journey in Infinity War to build the new weapon um, he gets one of the greatest moments uh, in arriving in Wakanda. And for anyone who's a huge fan of Thor, you come off of Ragnarok and you get a lot of Infinity War. And I think that that serves that character well. Yeah. Uh, if it, if Endgame, but to me, what, what that says is like, well, he already had really cool moments so we can mess see, with him. In I disagree. I, I think what Sean is saying, the entire arc of Thor in this film is also that... Also keep in mind, guys, I know we have a short episode. I've got like eight more things I got to no, get. No, no. All right. All right. Then let, let, me, yeah. let me rebut this and then we'll move on to the next one. But with Thor specifically, the entire arc of his character, that scene with his mother is one of the most emotional scenes. To me, the, the two of the best scenes in the film are, with, really are Thor beautiful. with his mom and then Tony with his dad. In 1970, yeah. which destroyed me the second time around. Once you kind of know the path of what happens with, Downey's with so Iron good Man, in that scene. incredible sequence. Uh, the way he's holding back his tears, it blew my mind. Um, on the flip side of this, with Thor, the entire arc of everyone's characters, and Anthony and Joe were saying this today, and I remember talking to someone at the premiere about this. Cap becomes selfish, right? And Iron Man becomes selfless. And mm-hmm. Thor has always been told that he had to be this guy, that he always had to be this, 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 this superhero. And yeah. no one really ever stopped and said, Thor, do you want to be this person? And I think the entire arc of his ending, when he's up there on that cliff with, with Tessa Thompson's character, is that he's finally going to go off and kind of do what he wants to do, not what he's been told to do all of his life. So I feel like... The weight thing, while I understand it's a bit jarring, was a, like Sean said, hit it perfectly. When he got to Asgard and saw his mother and she saw how far he had fallen, that's when it, the, the weight of it, no pun intended, hits you. It's like, it, it, it is, that to me was a very, very and, carefully placed arc, in my opinion. And it's not even the Thanos loss. It's he tried to save his Asgardian people. Like yes. Asgard had just been destroyed. Then yes. he encounters Thanos and Thanos kills half of his people, you know, and he has no place to bring them back to. So I, all of that weighed into why I thought Thor was the way that he was. And I was OK with that. Next, Jake, remember, we got to sort of like distill it to the biggest ones. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. These are these are the biggest things. Uh, the Thanos being killed and then being brought back from an earlier point in time. Yeah. Okay. Really bothered me. Why? That's an, and that's it bothered an interesting me one. because, and I, I sort of, it, I, I'm not entirely sure I've found a way to perfectly summarize why this bothers me, but the battle at the end, this final epic battle to end all battles, that's not the Thanos that we know. That's a guy who doesn't really right. know the Avengers. He's from like five or six years ago. He kind of knows who they are, but not really. He doesn't have as much emotional connection to them. To me, he doesn't bring all of that emotional baggage. He and knows weight. who they are. He was kind of at the beginning. He, he kind of knows who they are because he goes, oh, it's the Avengers. Yeah. But wait, wait, he's wait, not question, the question. guy from Infinity War. Right. And Thanos- to me, that undercuts the significance of defeating him because it's not the same guy. I disagree. The Thanos that they pull... Is from 2014, and we already know that the Battle of New York happened in 2012. He was fully aware of who the Avengers were. He said, yeah, but Loki, we don't even really know who he As an audience, but, we didn't know who he was by that no, my, point. My, 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 like, my, my point is, Th- uh, Thanos at 2014 is already on the warpath. He's already sent Loki to New York, and he's already collecting the stones. I think if this was a Thanos at 15 years old, then I would understand that argument. But Thanos was already emotionally on his path yeah, but I, to I snap think his so finger. much I happened between 2014 and Infinity War. And so yeah, much happened but, within the confines of Infinity War yeah. that made Thanos a different villain than he was around the time of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's why he when, lost. When they brought him in. The battle because he wasn't the he he wasn't that to me he was a lesser Thanos. version to 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 me they defeated a lesser version of Thanos than they, they lost to in Infinity War. But defeating I, Thanos to me isn't the point of the movie. The point of the movie to me was restoring the timelines and bringing people back. The Thanos fight we've already had the Thanos fight. The Thanos fight already happened. Thanos won the war. I so know, my, and they my, lost. So essentially, my, what it says is we've got to bring back a lesser <laughs> a version. Lesser version. We need no. more. Help, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and not, then we'll win. I just and that's why the the battle, no. while visually cool, and it was cool seeing all of them on the big screen again. I mean, it was sort of like, I mean, they said like, well, let's let's cripple them a little bit and well, let's get more help. But and Thanos then coming, Thanos but, coming back in that battle was not intentioned. It, it was it was they were supposed to take the stones. Repl- yeah, I know, but we're just talking about bring, bring, like, bring, bring them back. Audience. And Thanos coming back to 2019, Back to the Future, I guess. Um, would was a accident that was okay, caused by my point my, my point that I'm making though is the uh, the battle versus Thanos at the end of this film isn't the battle that this film was leading to the battle that this film was leading to in my opinion was bringing back all the people who died at the end of Infinity War it just happened to come with a Thanos who snuck from 2014 into the present day and they had to defeat him and battle him again the reason they beat him this time well the battle of Winterfell just so happened to be at night therefore it was dark <laughs> I'm just saying no my point the point I'm making is you're you're arguing that they fought a lesser Thanos they did fight a lesser Thanos I'm, I'm, because I'm sorry. Okay, so when when we saw the it's trailers and we the saw the, the movie, clips though. and we watched all of the those those clips under the the pretense that we were watching the Thanos from Infinity War and all sure. of those lines that yeah. we heard him say yeah. coming back to me, this led you back to me. Yeah. When whenever I thought that was the Thanos from Infinity War, it just felt cooler and it had much more of a weight to it. But that's I what understand. He was saying I all of those things. I do understand that. Yeah. I, I understand it. 
I, I mean, I think I, it didn't cross my mind the first time I watched it, but the minute Jake said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting point. It is, but, and it's but, also a Thanos who, in that moment on that day, did not, pre- he was not prepared to face. He kind of just lucked out to every be Marvel there. hero. Yeah. And it's like kinda to, like, to kind of like do like a couple of other broad things. I hated Gwyneth Paltrow being in the final fight. Um, I it. thought that the Black Widow death. Uh, did nothing to me because that scene was already done once before and way better in Infinity War. But that, that was we the already, point we already of got it. that same exact scene, and it wasn't. that was the and point of the time, scene. And like my God, they kept fighting over who was going to do it. Like my, you like, know, like oh, and someone crap. brought up a point too that I have a hard time arguing against. Also, they do all this prep about where the stones are and what they have to do to get them. And like at no point during that prep, Nebula wasn't like, "Oh yeah, but in order to get the Soul Stone, like one of you are going to have to die." <laughs> like they don't figure it out till they actually get Just there. Heads up, and quick then Red Skull up. tells can, them, and like Nebula, we, you could have let us know this before. Like we, we, we just there. got like a, like a repeat of a, of a very similar scene we just got a year ago and it yeah. was done be- it was done way better in but Infinity War they than it was. weren't repeating that scene that, they, they shot it's these the films it's the exact same scene hold on you're missing what I'm saying they it's not that they made Infinity War and then go let's make Endgame now and redo no, I things I get the purpose the, of it they I mean, shot this, these I back this to back this is the greatest hits album of, of, of Avengers had this scene. film been one gigantic film I don't think you would be as affected by these minor details that you're bringing up because I feel like you I think you're I don't think this could be too one gigantic film because they feel could so be. completely different unlike Kill Bill which is one gigantic film because it feels like one gigantic film. Not These, today. You know, I, I Not understand today. why they didn't do Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. I get why they didn't call it Part 1 and Part 2 because these are two completely different movies with two completely one different thing, tones and two completely different feels. Can, can we all at least agree that the time heist middle was amazing? I, li- I liked it. I liked it a lot. It felt like a really cool. It was amazing. It felt like a greatest hits album. It felt oh. like like it felt like popping in a greatest hits. Like I oh, this is great. It. It's no, nothing new here, but it's but it's it's really like there was See, new. I think that's too dismissive to to what the fact I agree. that it, it tries that and accomplishes it. Like yes, Perfectly. they did it. But like, it's really hard to do that and not do it. You know, like Cap fighting Cap is is oh my. Like, no, that's right. amazing. And here's the deal: I could, as, as much as I'm sitting here talking about like the thing, I because because there are probably a lot fewer things that bothered me than there are that I loved. We could do an entire episode, and we could all be on the same page yeah. about what works in this movie because there is a lot yeah. that works in this movie. And when it works, it freaking works well. I just need to point out the things that that were small enough but severe enough to keep me from going, I don't love this movie. Do you not like, like Smart Cat Hulk? Like Cat versus Cat? Uh, do, you, do you like Smart Hulk? I did not like, yeah, I did not like I Smart Hulk. That was that. Smart Hulk. Where, where did so that, that came funny. out of nowhere. It was so awesome. It came out of, and I Wait. get that it's a whole thing in the comics. I, I get it. Yeah. But like, we didn't even get, he goes from not being able to pull out the Hulk at all right. to randomly oh, just all of a sudden being able to balance. Per- like, it's I, a five-year jump. It's a five-year jump. He, he figured it out. What's, dude, you are being so persnickety about like these scientific details. Uh, here's my thing. I want to say one thing. We are talking I'm about I'm usually Sean's, with you, Jake. I'm usually with you. We are talking about Sean's favorite movie of all time. And yeah. Sean, I think you're being a little softball here in regards to Jake's I need you, you, you should be passionately arguing this. This is your favorite well, movie but, ever made. Right. But but I don't want to, I, I think that a lot of the things that Jake brings up, I've heard from other people. Like, I don't think that but, he's necessarily yeah. wrong. wrong. And, and no. the things that, that seem to not work for him, they just happen to work for me. And, it's, and there's no way that I can necessarily yeah. argue it beyond just saying, like, if Jake didn't think Fat Thor worked, 
I really did think he worked, um, and so it didn't bother me. Um, that is that people, is not a phrase I ever thought we would ever say. But right. it's like, it's like so, the Battle but here's of the Like when Kevin explains it, like I I get it. I watched yeah. the movie and I get what they're going for, and I get the way they wanted me to interpret it. So I understand what you're saying, Kevin. But there was like an invisible wall here, and what you're saying, like it's bouncing off yeah. right there because it because it just didn't work for me. If it, you think about our didn't. arguments here, it's very similar to our last episode when we did the Battle of Winterfell because things that worked for Jake in Battle of Winterfell, hence the dark tone of the the cinematography and the the way yeah, they were this positioned was such in an battle. Interesting weekend for us. That worked for him. It didn't work for Sean and myself. And so I, I do want to echo Sean's sentiments. Like Jake's not wrong. I. But this is such a passionate film for Sean and I that I just want to, I just want to, I just find it well, interesting. But I, but I, listen, I don't think Endgame is a perfect movie, but I, but I'm, but I'm in, in severe disagreement on your, your criticisms, in my opinion. But here's what I just, I want to justify why, why it suddenly ranks as my all time favorite movie and why it's probably going to sit there for a very long time. I, I grew up a Marvel kid, right? I just, like, that's personally these are the characters that I've loved growing up. And so here's an adaptation. Like there's a movie that exists. I've said this to you guys, I think in the text chain, there's a movie that exists where Captain America throws Thor's hammer. Spider-Man rides on it while holding an infinity gauntlet that Tony Stark creates out of nanotech. He lands on the back of Valkyrie's horse. Uh, She rides into battle. And like minutes before that giant man, punches these snakes that Thanos has released like over a a decimated Avengers compound. And all of that takes place in a movie that contextually makes sense. (laughs) Like it's not just, it wasn't a like the way ready player one is a pop culture fever dream because it's based on a book that happened to pull all these elements together. Endgame earned that moment, right? So the fact that it exists on the back of 21 films prior to it, is such a mind-blowing thing to me. Like, it shouldn't I exist. Agree. So when I talk about the fact that, like, Endgame as a movie shouldn't exist, it builds, like, the moment that I, I'm literally getting goosebumps as I'm about to talk about it, Cap saying Avengers Assemble. With, That's a great moment. With everybody assembled. Oh. To the point where oh. I saw it the second time, and the second time is when I only just realized he's catching Thor's hammer before he says assemble because I was so blown away the first time it happened. I didn't even realize he was doing that. Um, And so a a movie of those moments. Now, sometimes people can argue, well, it's just a movie of moments, but I don't think this one is. I think this movie has those moments um, and they are earth shattering to me moments that I never thought I'd ever see on on a screen before. But it also has a story that to me, leads you to those moments in the right way. And yes, there are some, like you tell me Gwyneth Paltrow shouldn't be in that battle. You're right. She probably shouldn't, right? She's there just because they wanted everybody involved. Um, I'm fine with that. If someone says, I didn't like Professor Hulk, and I know that he's a thing from the comics, I also thought that the tech, it wasn't quite there yet. Like Mark Ruffalo trying to talk as Hulk seems a lot slower. It's not quite right. Um, uh, but 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 I'm I'm willing to I go along with it. because awesome. I just, I, I was all in on professional, yeah. our, 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 our Professor Hulk, Professor and, Hulk. The, and the and the and the uh, the the uh, beard. He had like this five o'clock shadow. Like the, I, I thought that the special effects on the performance capture that Mark Ruffalo used for Hulk was brilliant. Um, I will say this, and, and listen, I don't think Endgame is a perfect film, but for everything Sean just said, 
the achievement. And, and, and I know that you shouldn't look at one movie as a full scope. No, no, you're right. This is like, but, Endgame but, is one of the greatest achievements in the history of cinema. And so when I got out of the premiere in my tweet, I said, this movie shouldn't be as good as it is. It should not work this well. And Sean and I were just talking about, how does this movie even exist? One, how does it work? Two, and how does it pull it off emotionally, comedically, and action-wise? And yes, there are things that I could say, yes, I, I didn't like, love this, love this. Sure. I still, think, I still think Winter Soldier and Infinity War, in my opinion, are better films. But I think Endgame is, there's something to be said about what it accomplished over the arching of 21 films and made it look easy. One, two, it also did it well. It wasn't just that they just brought it together. The The review isn't about the accomplishment. It's that they accomplished it and did it well as at the same time. So I think it's this like gigantic scope of what this movie means in regards to the last 11 years that we've spent with these characters and what they were able to achieve by making this film and giving us these arcs. I mean, you're talking about every big character getting a gigantic arc, cap, Iron Man, Scarlet Joy, Black Widow, Thor. Everyone Hawkeye. is given. Oh my God, Hawkeye! We are and great and, opening scene. And, great. Oh, opening oh scene. the opening scene, and they actually they did the impossible. I love Age of. I don't. I don't. I don't love Age of Ultron. One my, but I liked it. One of my favorite thing. One of my least favorite things about Age of Ultron was the Hawkeye family stuff. The Russo brothers made that good. Like that to yeah. me. To, to pull that back out from Avengers Age of Ultron, have us open the film the way we did, and actually make Hawkeye's family an amazingly interesting part of this film, like that to me, they also made Captain Marvel awesome. And I thought that, like, for example, I didn't love the movie Captain Marvel, but I love Brie Larson as an actor, but I didn't think Captain Marvel had a voice. I thought, we, and we all said this. I think we all agreed that Captain Marvel was going to be better in this because they will have better directors. The Rooster Brothers will pull something different from her that we didn't get in the in the singular film. And they did! Her, her action scenes delivery, are amazing! Amazing! I love how she says, hey, Peter Parker. Hey, Peter Parker. Yeah! It, that her destruction. melted me. Yeah. Oh my God! Melts me. Why is that line delivery so line, good? And I, it's she delivers that line better in Endgame than she delivers anything Anyone. else why? in Captain how? Marvel. But how? Why? Why does because it matter so the, much when she says it? The I get goosebumps. And the Rooster Brothers. I'm with you, uh, hey, guys. Is, is it because? Okay, because okay. It, it, tell me if I'm crazy. The I I sort of. I feel like when he says hey, he's almost saying hey is like a high school kid that has a crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's saying hey in his name kind of in the way that you would want your crush to say it back to you. Not yes. in like a hitting on him kind of way. Yeah. Not right. in like a super like seductive, sultry kind of way. Right. But just this really cute like, yeah, I know, you have a crush on me. And yeah, yeah like you're like, you're a cute little kid. But it's like exactly how you would want an older crush to speak to you when you're a high school one kid. One line. One line. Think about God, this for great. one second. Think about what the Russos achieved here. You yeah. have dozens of characters and we are talking about very specific emotional moments that they pulled off within a oh. grand scope of a story. You have Tony talking to his father in the past, which then full circles to the end, which is brutal. You have Cap becoming selfish and learning his element. How are they pulling off these no. arcs 
as well the as they are work. in the middle of yeah. all of this. Think about that yeah, for a second. You just don't see character work in blockbusters of this size. You just no. you tend not to. You tend it not to. It shouldn't work as good as it does. It should not right. be this great. And it is. That has been our bonus episode for our conversation with Joe and Anthony Russo. I am still blown away by the fact that those guys were nice enough to come on our podcast and talk all things Marvel and Avengers Endgame. As you guys know, the movie is extremely special to us and um, it's become this cultural phenomenon. So to be able to talk to those guys in the moment uh, after the movie comes out just sort of blew me away. Let us know what you guys thought about the interview. I'd love to hear your feedback uh, in terms of how you thought it went, uh, things that you learned that you didn't know. Head to uh, our social media, interact with us, let us know your thoughts. Of course, share this too. The best thing you guys can do for the podcast is to share it. Uh, with friends who you think will appreciate the type of movie talk that we do. And if you have any Avengers uh, fans amongst your friends and they want to listen to this too, make sure that you share this episode. Tell them that uh, all the places they can find the Real Blend podcast. We will be back with episode number 68 um, shortly. And your Real Blend game for episode 68 is going to be about the films of Sofia Coppola. So we're going to use um, hashtag Sofia Coppola Blend so that later on we can also do Francis at some point. Uh, so hashtag Sophia Coppola blend. We will discuss the films of Sophia Coppola uh, and discuss which ones are our favorite from her filmography. Some really great ones to choose from. So until then, we will talk to you guys when episode 68 posts. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with the Russos. I feel like I should shout something Russo related, uh, but it would be wrong if I didn't end it by saying as loud as possible, Don Kirk. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.